Well, this morning, living like Jesus, uh, loving the hurting, and of course, this is going to be dealing with compassion. A number of weeks ago, uh, sorry, last week actually, we looked at this. Let me see if I can get my thing on. I'm having tech issues today that I don't know why. So last week, we took a look at how Jesus, as he lived his life, he spent time making sure he affirmed key people. And last week, he affirmed women big time. He raised them up from the place of not having any voice whatsoever, almost being owned to a place of equality. Imagine that. Jesus. He started it. So here's Jesus walking, living, and healing, and lifting up individuals from a place of despair and hurt. We talked about the woman at the well, how they bantered, and, and uh, she had some theological knowledge that probably surprised the other disciples, um, and they took off quickly, got lunch, so they didn't have to deal with that. And uh, Jesus welcomed the discussion, the woman with the alabaster jar, and how she uh, poured uh, expensive oil on Christ's feet. Uh, and then Mary anoints it as well. Jairus' daughter, who was sick, and uh, Jesus healed a young girl. And then, of course, the woman who was bleeding for so many years, he healed as she touched his cloak. Um, pretty powerful stuff. So today, um, I want to look at this whole idea of abiding, because if we're going to look at what how Jesus lived. If we're to live like Jesus lived, it's not about copying his behaviors. That's the whole point of this series. That's the whole point of walking through the stories of Christ, how he lived, and not try to mimic every single detail. Ooh, that's what Jesus did. That's not what this is about. The only thing he really did that we need to copycat is this gift called abiding. He abided in his Father. He walked in intimacy with his Heavenly Father. He walked in union. He walked by listening to the voice of God speaking in and through him. And it was God who did all the miracles through him, as we discover in the book of Acts. It was God doing the miracles in Christ. Not the man Jesus. It was God doing it through him. That's where the source was coming from. Jesus was not using his God card. That's the key. He was fully man, fully God, but chose not to live out of his divinity. He chose to live as a man, which suddenly gives me hope. When I first discovered that about 10 years ago, oh my goodness, everything began to change how I viewed how Jesus did things. Then I began to see, wait a minute, when he said he didn't know the day or the time or the hour, he meant it. He actually didn't know. Because <laughs> I thought he lied, you know. I'm kidding. I didn't think that. I, I just thought, how, how can he not know? Did something get it wrong? But now I realize God was revealing to him at any given moment what to say, what other people were thinking, how to respond, and who was sick and how to heal. So this whole idea of abiding, what does it look like for you and I? If we're going to do what would Jesus do, the only what would Jesus do is abide in the Father. And Jesus sent us out and said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. And how did he do it? He abided in his Father. So abiding, according to this definition, is living in the constant awareness that Christ is in you. It is trusting that he is your source, your voice, your thoughts, your passions and desires. He is your rest. Man, that should be a clue right there that he is our rest. Sometimes our lives do not look like rest. We're scurrying, trying to control and manage things, and yet it's God's baby. He's the outcome. So let's, let's take a look at our first story. If, if living like Jesus lived, what, what does it look like? I would say it would emulate some of his characteristics. It doesn't mean we try to copy the characteristics. It means 
It will be emulated through us. That's the difference between legalism and grace. Legalism will say, you must be compassionate. Okay, I'm going to try and be compassionate. And you kind of fake your smile and fake your help, and you try to act compassionate, or you try to be kind, and it's, the focus is on trying to be that. But grace says, your source of Christ lives in you. Let his life flow through. It will look like compassion. It will be kind. It will be generous. But it's almost effortless. Because the focus over here and energy is spent on trying to achieve a certain standard. But grace says, just rest and let me live my life out through you. And it may look a little different than you thought. <laughs> Which is kind of cool. So let's take a look at this story of another woman. Because I didn't get to finish all the women's stories. So we get to touch on them today. So, he bumps into a very, very crippled woman. And you need to catch the religious system here. You'll, you'll hear it in a couple of stories today. This is big. One Sabbath day, Sabbath day, Sabbath day. Okay, that means you're not allowed to do a thing. Uh, you weren't allowed to walk more than 100 steps. You weren't allowed to spit because you get charged for farming. Like, that's how stupid it was. Like, they had ridiculous rules. However, if your cow fell into a ditch, you're allowed to help the cow out. Okay? Just give me some context. Now, let's read this. One Sabbath day, while Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, he encountered a seriously handicapped woman. She was crippled and had been doubled over. Like, we're talking serious, whatever, whatever kind of contortion she had, it was massive to her. And it was a painful problem. Her condition cause, was caused by a demonic spirit of bondage that had left her unable to stand up straight. This is what the text tells us. When Jesus saw her condition, he called her over and, listen to this, gently laid his hands on her. There's a clue here. This is a picture of the characteristic of the divine, of Trinity, what Trinity looks like to us. Not going to come clobbering you over the head because you messed up. Okay? That's not what the love of God looks like. This is perfectly what the love of Christ looks like. He gently laid his hands on her. Then he said, dear woman, you are free. I release you forever from this crippling spirit. Instantly, she stood straight and tall and overflowed with glorious praise to God. Now that should be cause for party, don't you think? I want to see that. Who would like to see something like that? I saw a picture this week of a, um, a teacher who's known for healing conferences and going around the world and teaching and, and having these big crusades. And a picture from 25 years ago of all these crutches, all the crutches of healed people. I thought, this guy's still doing that. <sighs> I can't figure that stuff out. Something is real. Whether we judge motive or not. It's funny how quickly we do judge, isn't it? Well, we're not alone. Look what happens. This is nuts. This should make your jaw drop. Immediately, the Jewish leader who is in charge of the synagogue, remember, Jesus is teaching in the synagogue. So the Jewish leader who's in charge of it was infuriated over Jesus' healing on the Sabbath day of all days. You got six other days 
that you have to work, he shouted angrily at the crowd. These are the days you should come here for healing, not on the seventh day. Um, how stupid does he sound? The Sabbath? <laughs> and of course, Jesus. This is awesome. I wish I had his wit. <laughs> the Lord said, you hopeless frauds. Okay, I thought he might have been nicer, but... Nope. He goes for the jugular. And by the way, who does Jesus go after with any, what, where we would say, he's being a little bit harsh there. He's clearly not Canadian. You know, Canadians wouldn't do that. We wouldn't speak like that. <laughs> he goes after the religious ones. Those who are bound up in legalistic religion that cause people to be bound up in bondage. That's who he's going after. Because they are hurting and paralyzing people worse than any disease. And here he says, you hopeless frauds, don't you care for your animals on the Sabbath day, untying your ox or donkey from the stall and leading it away to water? If you do this for your animals, what's wrong with allowing this beloved daughter of Abraham who has been bound by Satan for 18 long years to be untied and set free on the Sabbath. Oh, I love that. And they heard this. His critics were completely humiliated. But the crowd shouted with joy over the glorious things Jesus was doing among them. Talk about compassion. While he's teaching, Jesus has an ADHD moment. I love it. Sees a woman doubled over. Oh, look, a squirrel. Someone who needs healing. <laughs> I resonate with that. I get it. But he takes teaching as important, but people far more important. Do you see that? The doctrine's nice, but it has to have feet. It has to have arms. It has to have a touch. And he does it. This is the Jesus we believe in. This is not the Jesus people are rejecting in our world today. This is not the God people say, I don't believe in God, I'm an atheist. That is not the one they're rejecting. They're rejecting the religious leader's God. The one who's all about following the rules, do it right. Whew. If you haven't yet, and if this is kind of new to you, I beg you, please, Go visit stillgrowingingrace.ca and listen to the series on the radio show that I've been putting out. It is the most gentle, slowly walk-through presentation of grace I've ever taught. It's teaching me a lot. It's worth hearing. You're going to hear this Jesus I'm talking about, especially if you've never heard the grace stuff before. But look at this. If they can untie an animal... And now Jesus says, I've just untied her, unbound her from what she was bound up with, and now she is healed. <laughs> the people got it. Did you catch that? The, the people got it. They rejoiced. They, they, they saw the truth. Um, that happens today in our world, in our city right here. The people know what the real Jesus looks like. They can't stand the religious one. They, they can't because they have not seen love. They've only seen ulterior motive. Come to my church. You know, 
Say this prayer, and then, oh, then start giving, and, and then start signing up, and, and then let's grow. Or tell more people, and so on and so on. When that's the motive, I got a problem. Is that the natural overflow of what it looks like getting excited about Jesus? Yes, of course, but not as a duty. Law versus grace. Law says go do these things to, in order to feel approved. Grace says, ah, oh, let me do these things through you because this is evidence I'm living in you. I love that. Next picture. Oh, I love, okay, you've heard of wedding crashers? Funeral crashers, all right? Oh, that is a thing, though. Some people do do that. They go to the receptions and get free food. But anyway, Jesus crashes a funeral. I love this. Shortly afterward, Jesus left on a journey for the village of Nain with a massive crowd of people following him, along with his disciples. As he approached the village, he met a multitude of people in a funeral procession who were mourning as they carried the body of a young man to the cemetery. By the way, they mourn differently than we do. <laughs> if you've ever been to an Eastern um, funeral or a a time of mourning, or even a, a Greek one, they, they wail. They hire wailers to come. And it's, a, it's almost a spectacular show. Like, Canadians are not used to that. But there's value in it because of why they do it. Here, they have wailers. They're, they're wailing on the way to the cemetery. This is amazing. The boy was his mother's only son, and she was a widow. So, she was now fully alone. When the Lord saw the grieving mother, his heart broke for her. This is what I want you to see. Does your heart break for the hurting? Is it all about you? Is life about how you are going to make it? How your circumstances are fine? Um... Is it about your crisis? Oh, my crisis is bigger than your crisis. Do we have a heart that's broken for the hurting? The Greek word um, denotes the deepest level of compassion. There is no greater word in the Greek language to describe the depth of emotion Jesus felt for his widow over the loss of her son. This Greek word is actually the word for intestines. Mm-hmm. Jesus' emotions fully identified with her grief, and he carried her sorrow. Intestines, grief, intense, tightening. Oh, my goodness. When we have a deep loss, when we get punched in the gut with a crisis, ugh, we just tighten. It, it, most people carry it in their stomachs, some in the chest, some who knows. It's, it's real. And Jesus saw her extreme pain, and he took it on himself. And here's what he does. With great tenderness. Remember the other woman? He touched her gently. There's a bit of a pattern here, okay? With great tenderness, he said to her, please don't cry. Then he stepped up to the coffin, and I wish I could see this at a funeral. That'd be so cool. And he touched it. When the pallbearers came to a hall, Jesus said to the corpse, young man, I say to you, arise and live. Immediately, the young man moved, sat up, <laughs> and spoke to those nearby. Boo. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what, what would he say? <laughs> like just, okay, you got to picture it. He's 
died. It, it's like the worst crisis of life. And he sits up in this cat. Now, my question was, when I thought of this, was the lid on? <laughs> did, did it pop off? <laughs> There's a... <laughs> okay. okay, I'm sorry. This, this is the way I see things, all right? My lens. But sitting up, imagine for a moment, not only <laughs> the hilarious shock of everybody, because that's really funny, but now flip over to the reality check. <gasps> Her son's back. She had resolved that it was done. She'd come to the place, it's final. Folks, we come to places when we think our crisis is final. There's no more hope. Don't kid yourself. There may be a plan you don't know about that your heavenly father has. He may have a blind side that's going to bust your gut laughing your head off in hindsight. Or sit you down in awe of, I didn't see that coming. Or that circumstance had I not gone through that, I would never have seen this, what I need to go through now. Oh, my. This is the Jesus I believe in. The one who does not give up, even when you think all your dreams are dead, embalmed, closed casket, and you're on the way to the cemetery, and the grace of Christ is bigger than that. Live with your hand open. Say, Father, put in whatever needs to be put in. Take out whatever has to be taken out. Don't hang on to your, your stuff, your beliefs, your everything with such tightness that you're not teachable anymore. That's what abiding is. Abiding is listening. Say, Father, I surrender. I surrender this outcome. I don't like this outcome at all. It's painful. And he's going to whisper in your ear so lovingly, you're not alone. I'm with you in this. You may even feel his gentle touch. You may even hear his tender voice speak to you. You may even see a miracle. <laughs> Immediately, the young man sat up, spoke to those nearby. Jesus presented the son to his mother alive. A tremendous sense of holy mystery swept over the crowd, yeah, I'm sure it did, as they witnessed this miracle of resurrection. They shouted praises to God, saying, God himself has visited us to bless his people. A great prophet has appeared among us. The news of Jesus and this miracle raced throughout Judea and the entire surrounding region. Now, keep something else in mind you may not realize. This has to do with Easter. This has to do with the, the leader, the Jewish leaders, the, the um, uh, uh, I think the Sanhedrin um, are the, the big multi-group of leaders. You have the Essenes, you got the um, Pharisees, Sadducees. What, what's the group called, the main one? What, part? Nah. Okay, whatever they are, okay, the, the, the network, the, the council of a collection of all these other little sections and, and sects, um, they had a group in there that did not believe in resurrection, that there's no way things can come back alive. That was a very, very strong belief. This just kind of messed it up. And it gets worse later when we hear about Lazarus. And when we talk about Lazarus, it was at that point they were so ticked off with Jesus. 
that you'll see in the verses right after it. Go look it up yourself before we get to the teaching it. It's going to say, and they plotted to kill Jesus and Lazarus. Put them back in the grave is what they wanted. But this is the compassion of the Jesus you and I say we believe in. The compassion of Jesus, again, Matthew 9. Jesus walked throughout the region with a joyful message of God's kingdom realm. Oh my goodness, did you just hear that? He had a joyful message. Um, some of the messages I've heard weren't too joyful. They're kind of scary. They're actually kind of mad. In fact, they're kind of angry that God's mad at me, that he's going to get me if I don't do this or this or that. Wait a minute. Jesus never taught that. The only way he taught some fear into people is the religious people. Because he said, you know those scriptures. Oh, yes, you do. That's all sweet and nice. But you don't know who they point to, the one who's speaking to you now. You're so sucked up in your religious readings and rules. You, you got your scriptures memorized. You got your steps memorized. You got your to-do list memorized. And then you put your impossible to-do list on other people, trying to get them to measure up. When they don't, you make them feel like crap because they can't do it, or neither can you. But you set up extra rules that you can keep that they can't, and so on. So you just make yourself feel better and better. It's a vicious, vicious religious cycle. Jesus came to put an end to religion the religion that has to do with doing things in order to be accepted. The religion of loving people, that's what he came to bring. The actual love, caring for the poor, that is what he came to bring. And he came to do it with peace. And yet he came with a sword. <laughs> what else does he do here? So he walked through teaching a joyful message. He taught in their meeting houses, and wherever, whenever he went, wherever he went, he demonstrated God's power by healing every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the vast crowds of people, Jesus' heart was deeply moved with compassion. By the way, I, uh, I thought of this um, section that he went and healed every kind of disease, and, and he, wherever he went, he did that. He just healed everybody. My challenge, and again, I don't understand how healing works in the big multitudes of people. But why don't they hang out in some hospitals? Why don't they have their conferences at a hospital or a cancer ward? Do the healing there. You want to see a miracle? I want to see a miracle there. Does that make sense? It does to me. I, I don't know how it works. I'm not mocking them. I'm extending in a, a, a concept because there's much about healing I don't get and I want to get. I have a hunger to know more. I'm not, I used to mock them, but I don't now because there's other stuff going on I don't know about. There's stuff I can't explain. So don't mock what you don't know. Something is going on, and Jesus was doing it. He was doing amazing healing. When he saw the vast crowds of people, listen to this part, Jesus' heart was deeply moved with compassion there it is. Because they seemed weary and helpless, like wandering sheep without a shepherd. He turned to his disciples and said, the harvest is huge and ripe, but there are not enough harvesters to bring it all in. As you go, plead with the owner of the harvest to thrust out many more reapers to, to harvest his grain. Too many times in the church, we, we take this and we say, we have to go do the evangelism. 
No, we don't. The harvest is ready. People want to believe. Go and bring in those who are hungry to believe. Don't try to do the work of the Holy Spirit trying to convince people. You get into arguments most of the time. It's not worth it. Be sensitive to those around you. And and when the time is ready, share the reason for your hope. Even if you can't articulate it like some theologian, who cares? That's what Google's for if you have to look up a verse. (laughs) Just kidding. The Spirit of Christ will tell you what to say and when. That's what he did for Jesus. Why don't you trust him to do it for you? And it may not even sound that religious. It may actually sound authentic. You're going to want to know the hope you have. Another one in Matthew 20. Again, this is about the compassion of Christ. As Jesus approached Jericho, an immense crowd gathered and followed him. And there were two blind men sitting on the roadside. When they heard that it was Jesus passing by, they shouted, Son of David, which means Messiah, show us mercy, Lord. And those in the crowd scolded them and said, Tell me quiet. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine two blind guys, Son of David, heal us, hear us, hear us. Shut up, dude. The guy's walking with a whole bunch of people. Be quiet. You're not that important. Stay in your position, for I am greater than you, is what they're saying. The arrogance. Don't be like that. But the ears of Christ heard. Jesus stopped and had them brought to him. He asked them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, Lord, we want to see. Heal us. And Jesus, listen carefully, here it is. Jesus was deeply moved with compassion towards them. So he touched their eyes, and instantly they could see. Jesus said to them, your faith has healed you. And all the people praised God because of this miracle, and the two men became his followers from that day onward. I guess so. (laughs) Think about it. Totally blind, suddenly, boom, you can see. He said something interesting. He said, your faith has healed you. But, But what faith did they have? What kind, of, what kind of faith did they have? All they said was, Jesus, please heal us. Apparently, that's enough. Huh. Little, little tiny bit. Of, oh, you know what that faith was called? Hope. A little bit of hope. And that faith. Oh, by the way, I think that was a gift to them too. Because as Jesus came, he emulated hope. He gave it away from his very presence. They caught it, responded to it, and called out for hope, and were healed. This is the Jesus I believe in. This is another story of profound faith. When Jesus entered the village of Capernaum, a captain in the Roman army approached him saying, uh, approached him asking for a miracle. Lord, he said, I have a son, or the Greek word is servant, Aramaic intent, who is lying in my home paralyzed and suffering terribly. And Jesus responded, huh, I'll go with you and we'll heal him. Isn't that a great attitude? Okay, let's go. Let's heal him. No problem. But the Roman officer interjected, Lord, who am I to have you come into my house? 
I understand your authority, for I too am a man who's, who walks under authority and have authority over soldiers who serve under me. I can tell you, I tell one to go and he'll go, and the other to come and he'll come. I order my servants, they'll do whatever I ask. So, I know that all you need to do is stand here and command healing over my son, and he'll be healed instantly. Well, that's pretty cool. I would have been just fine with Jesus coming along. Like, I'd rather have him there, you know, make sure it really happens. <laughs> I don't have doubt issues, do I? <laughs> Watch this. Jesus was astonished when he heard this. And he said to those who were following him, he has greater faith than anyone I've encountered in Israel. This was the biggest display of faith in true authority. This man recognized power. He recognized authority. <laughs> That's amazing. When Jesus turned to the Roman officer, he said, go home. All that you have believed for will be done for you. And his son was healed at that very moment. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? This is the Jesus who gets distracted by people calling out to him. He gets distracted by observing somebody over here who's genuinely in pain. Yes, he may have an agenda. Who knows? But he always got distracted by people. He had compassion on people. What does that mean for us? If we say we have Christ living in us, if we say we are Christ followers, is the compassion of Christ in us in our busyness as well? I did something different this past week that I've never done before. I did a chapel service in a nursing home. That was different because totally different people and I'll be careful with the humor part but <laughs> there, there was some humor for sure <laughs> but it taught me something different stop and the person in that shell needs love they need to hear good news now and I drive past that place all the time <laughs> We don't care. We're just doing our stuff, right? Whatever little intersections happened in my life in the last two, three, four months, just did a chapel service, sharing the love of Christ. Kind of humbled me. And I don't think God's done yet. <laughs> I love this next picture. One day, while Jesus was ministering in a certain city, he came upon a man covered with leprous sores. When the man recognized Jesus, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet and begged to be healed, saying, If you were only willing, could you completely heal me? And Jesus reached out and touched him. <gasps> You're not supposed to do that. Okay, you're not supposed to touch a leper. He suddenly became unclean according to the laws. Unclean. Oh, the system. Dress right. Speak right. <laughs> Don't go to certain places. Go to other places. Eat certain things. Don't eat certain things. Don't drink. Do drink. Okay, law. He touched. 
He went beyond the rules of the day. And he touched a leper and said, Of course I'm willing to heal you. How many times do people ask us just to be an ear? Or, and we kind of do the, uh, again. You know, and we're kind of frustrated with them, especially if we know them. <laughs> we're used to the pattern. And yet, maybe our willingness, maybe God can do that change in us to make us more willing than we want to be. Because when we don't want to be willing to help certain people or even listen, um, that tells us about our own control issues. And Jesus is wanting us to love all, everyone. The student who's depressed at school, who's had a crisis at home and has no one to talk to. You might be the student who speaks to them. A coworker having a crisis, needing someone to talk to. Take the time. You're not too busy. None of us are. I tend to be, but I'm, my calendar just looks busy. People say I'm really busy, but I'm learning to have room in my calendar for hiccups, buffer time, so to speak, in between appointments so that if there's something that has to change, I can take time. Just learning that now. Just learning it. I've not arrived. But he touches them. He says, of course I'm willing. And now you will be healed. Instantly, the leprous sores were healed and his skin became smooth. No oil of Olay. Pure smooth. Jesus said, tell no one what has happened. As if. Anyway. But go to the priest and show him you've been healed and to show that you are purified. Make an offering for your cleansing just as Moses commanded. You will become a living testimony to them. After this miracle, the news about Jesus spread even farther. Massive crowds continually gathered to hear him speak and to be healed from their illness. But Jesus often slipped away from them and went to the wilderness to pray. you got to admit, it's a funny thing to say to somebody. Don't tell anybody. Okay. <laughs> How do I explain this? <laughs> I'm healed. My family's not going to recognize me. Like, really? <laughs> but he sent him to the priest. Using the system they were in. The legalistic system. Even Jesus submitted to their system. How's that for confusing for a moment? <laughs> I think he did it the right way. He did it lovingly. Every person he had compassion on, he was kind to. The ones who were hurting people through the rules, he called them out. Vipers. Huh. Crashing a party? Oh, yeah. One day, many Jewish religious leaders known as Pharisees along with many religious scholars, came from every village of Galilee throughout Judea and even from Jerusalem to hear Jesus teach. The power of the Lord God surged through him to instantly heal. Some of the men came to Jesus carrying a paraplegic, man on a stretcher. They attempted to bring him past the crowd, set him down in front of Jesus. But because there were so many people crowding the door, they had no way to bring him inside. So they crawled to the roof, dug their way through the roof tiles, and lowered the man, stretcher and all, into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. I got a quick 
question about this. You can imagine I'm going to go humor here. Don't they see stuff falling? Like, aren't the people sitting there kind of, oh, oh, what's, what? Oh. It's got to be a hole big enough to put a guy through, okay? Like, just thinking, okay? Anyway, for your own mind, <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Seeing the demonstration of their faith, Jesus said to the paraplegic man, My friend, your sins are forgiven. <gasps> what? He didn't say you were healed. Why would he say your sins are forgiven? Anybody have an idea why? It's given away at the very top. All the religious leaders from everywhere, all the scholars, they were all there. Ooh, I'm going to go deeper on this one. Your sins are forgiven. That'll really tick them off. Absolutely, and that's exactly what happened. The Jewish religious leaders and the religious scholars whispered objections among themselves. <laughs> you can almost hear the banter. Who does this man think he is to speak such blasphemy? That's a good word. Only God can forgive sins. Does he think he is God? <laughs> well, if you were listening, <laughs> Jesus knowing their thoughts, there it is. How would Jesus know their thoughts if he's fully God, fully man, not living out of his divinity? Somebody told them. God the Father was whispering the thoughts, allowing him to read their thoughts, however it worked. But it was not Jesus the man doing it. It was his Father being the power in him. God his Father was the source. Why do you argue in your hearts over what I do and think that it is blasphemy for me to say that his sins are forgiven? Let me ask you. Which is easier to prove when I say, your sins are forgiven, or when I say, stand up and carry your stretcher and walk? <laughs> Jesus turned to the man and said, to prove all that, <laughs> son of man, that I, the Son of Man, have the lawful authority on earth to forgive sins, I say to you now, stand up, carry your stretcher, go on home, for you are healed. Oh my. In an Instant, the man arose right before their eyes, stood up, picked, his, picked up a stretcher, went home, giving God all the glory with every step he took. Another funny thought. Why would he go home? The guy who just healed him, just like, I'd want to hang out. I want to hear what this guy has to say. But the story tells us he went home and gave glory to God. Oh yeah, the people were seized with astonishment and dumbfounded over what they had just witnessed. They all praised God, remarking over and over, incredible, or if you've seen the right movie, inconceivable. <laughs> what an unbelievable miracle we've seen today. Two things he said, your sins are forgiven, get up and be healed. He was declaring his Godhood. Again, he's building the case for the cross. He's heading towards the cross. That's why we're doing these stories of Jesus, to see the pattern of what was taking place. So by the time the week comes where he is crucified, he's in front of a court, he has ticked them off so badly that's an easy call. Last one. Oops, no, we'll do that one next week. It's already 11.30. Oops, sorry. This Jesus we say we believe in, man, just look at the stories. They are filled with a demonstration of divinity, an example of how we are to live, not by copying, 
by recognizing instead what love and compassion lived out looks like. Some of us have some changes to make. How we speak to one another, how we act towards one another, how we treat each other with fairness or not fairness. What's our pattern? Is our pattern always being agitated? I know, I remember when I was going through my counseling stuff, um, Lori told me that my tone at the table was not always great. I thought it was fine. (laughs) It took some serious humbling and good counseling for me to see my tone mattered, and it was my tone that was pushing off people. My harshness, my sharpness, for no reason. What, what, why does my fuse go so quick? I want the compassion of Christ in me to be sharpened, not negative flesh, not a characteristic that does not reflect who I am in Christ. Pray for the Holy Spirit to reveal your thing that you need to surrender. And let the healing begin. May you be set free from that thing that binds you from harshness and causing relationship trouble. This Jesus we say we believe in came to love you. He wants you to be loved, beloved. Let's pray.